hope you all tested your mics because we had 20 minutes of off-air chat. <laughs> Wait, we did? Oh. No. Oh. But it's working. <laughs> it's working. It's working. It's working. Don't worry. It's, it's working. working. It's well for me. It's working. All right. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast hosted by three wonderful friends all across Canada. My name is Billy Schultz. I am your host for the evening or morning or afternoon or whenever you're listening to this. And I am joined, as always, by my two friends all the way out on the West Coast, Luke Mason. How are you doing today? I am well. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, the neighborhood dogs are barking, and the neighborhood teenagers are running around at two in the morning vandalizing houses. So it's just kind of normal life here. Love it. Thank you for what are letting you doing me out at two it? in the morning, Luke? <laughs> well, it's summer. I sleep on the porch. <laughs> he sleeps on the porch. Remember? <laughs> right. And so I just hear people running around in the middle of the night yelling, running through yards, and talking about all the eggs they're going to throw at houses. And I'm like, ah, fuck. No. <laughs> Not my house. <laughs> You've reached well, that thank point you for... now where you just sit on your lawn, <laughs> Shout whittling. <laughs> hey, whittle by whittle. Whittle by whittle. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me know that there'll be a lot of dog barks and bird noises for me to edit out of your track. That's something I mm. look forward to working my way through painstakingly. And no the other voice you've heard, who's chimed in already, is Alex Wan from slightly less west than Luke, but still pretty far west. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. If if I named this podcast for this week, I'd call it Nothing to Gear. Because I got no <laughs> gears right now, but I will. <laughs> you will. Well, well at least there's nothing to gears. grind your gears. Yeah. I don't <laughs> well, know. We're, we're about to watch, we haven't watched movie, the movie, so there's a <laughs> yeah, chance. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. And yeah, speaking of horror movies, this is a particularly nice episode because we are in the middle of our remakes month and because we are all millennials and we're raised in the late 90s to early 2000s this being episode 69 means we're gonna giggle about it episode 69 <laughs> baby here we go we did it nice did <laughs> nice. gen x not giggle at 69 everybody no. giggles at 69 honestly <laughs> like well, you're doing it wrong. I man. didn't know what it meant when I was like, <laughs> like six, and I thought it was funny because everyone else giggled at it. Right. Mm. The no. very first time I saw the number sixty nine come up in in that sort of giggle giggle way was in my very first day of grade seven. Somebody was we we're in assembly in the gym, and somebody had that scoreboard, and they put the like home score sixty nine, away score sixty nine, period six, like. You know, everything was six nine six nine, and everybody in the gym was giggling, and I was just like, "That looks kind of like the zodiac sign for cancer." Is that what they're laughing about? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, so, yes. Me. Well, according to Dan Savage, sixty nine oh. is not a very good idea because you can't quite wholly focus on the task at hand. So, or well, you know, figuratively at hand, figuratively at hand. <laughs> <laughs> figuratively at hand. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I think people should really try the 6-6. Six, six. <laughs> yeah, I was really curious. Are you more of a 6 or a 9? <laughs> See, I opened up this door, and now I'm up- upset that we went through it. <laughs> and this well, is all my fault. <laughs> don't know what you were expecting. <laughs> Dead dove. Do not eat. But what we do on this show to 
drag us back on track is every week we watch a horror movie this week uh, this month we are going through remakes of episodes that we've already done of movies we've already done whether they be foreign or they've been remade at a future date or something like that and this week luke you chose the episode so can you enlighten our listeners as to what we are watching this week yeah we're going to be watching a movie that i believe came out in 2008 called quarantine which is a remake of 2007's spanish film wreck and so i picked it because i had actually seen quarantine before i saw wreck i had also seen wreck before this podcast but i had watched quarantine first of the two of them and so this will probably be my third or fourth viewing i can't quite remember of quarantine i watched it a couple times and i remember really liking it and I don't know. It might be a fun one to discuss, like the differences of why make an American remake of a foreign language film that's already really good, mm-hmm. because maybe just money. But you wouldn't think necessarily that this genre is the money making for this. But I guess it was because it's around the time when found footage just became really hot. So money, right. Western audiences can't read. What else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. I guess I'll just say, since I know this movie really well, and like kind of the two of you do too, because it is quite a faithful shot-for-shot remake of Wreck. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are some differences, most notably instead of in Barcelona, it's set in Los Angeles. And of instead of it being kind of like a Catholic conspiracy, it's a more American version of things, which I think is cool, like obviously mm. catered to the sensibilities of the audience. So I won't talk too much about that because I'll let it reveal itself through the movie. Mm -hmm. And a little bit more exposition, I think, in what's going on happens in this film. And I think they do a little bit cooler job with some of the kills in quarantine. So I have a few scenes in memory of like, oh, wow, that was really, really fucked up. So, and they're like even more kind of rabid. (laughs) <laughs> in this movie than even in Rex. So okay. it'll be a frenetic it, it's it's a frenetic movie for sure. Awesome. I think that was pretty eh, it was mediumly spoiler free listeners. <laughs> we if you've listened to the Rex episode, it's probably going to be pretty much the same as that. I remember being very nervous about watching Rex and it being one that actually did scare me while it was going on and even to the point of it being like there's going to be jump scares and things will lunge out of shadows at us. This was sort of this was Wreck was the first zombie movie that we did, and so this one being in that realm, being a remake, I imagine the the villains will be zombos once again, and <laughs> maybe they will be as frightening this time. Maybe the tension will wrap up. I'm hoping it will be because I'm looking. I'm kind of at the point in the horror movie watching things where I'm like, okay, this is like creepy and gross, but I'm not scared of it. Like, it's not scaring me. It's not making me like too scared to like turn, like want to turn the the movie off. I'm just like, you know, so I'm looking for something that'll like bring the scares a little bit more. And I guess like, I'm just trying to get stronger and stronger fix (laughs) of horror Mm. movie scare. I'm, I'm inured to it a little bit, but I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to see how they change the plot points, how they integrate things. I know the main characters in it. Jennifer Carpenter is a good actress. I liked her in Dexter, in mm. most of Dexter. We don't, we don't need to talk about the last <laughs> season of Dexter. But I wonder if there'll be any other actors that I recognize or if it's more like 
unknowns being found footage. I'm interested in the idea of like the apartment building and not really knowing your neighbors and seeing if there's anything that's kind of the mid 2000s was very much the like, if you see something, say something kind of war on terror mentality that was going around, like, how can you really trust what your neighbors are up to? And, and who knows what's going on? And how, how well do you know the people that live all around you? And so that's kind of like, exciting to I'll be on the lookout for any of those themes. But I'm excited for it. Alex? What do you know about this movie or are looking forward to or anything? I think Wreck was was our first found footage that we watched, if I remember correctly. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It might have had another Because we did it pretty remember. early on. Like It might have been like episode seven or something. No. Just up there. No? Yeah. I think 15? it was like something like that. Yeah. Okay. I will find well, it. Well, regardless, 15 to, seven to 15. Yeah, I remember really liking Wreck a lot and being scared of it just because... I think the scariest, one of the scarier things that could possibly happen are fast zombies. You know, slow zombies, not as scary. Fast zombies, pretty scary. And mm-hmm. if I remember, there were fast zombies in Wreck. So, and you just mentioned that they're a little bit more even scarier or even more deadly. So, looking forward <laughs> to that. One thing I am interested in seeing the difference in is, like, obviously, I think you said this one takes place in an apartment building, which is... Also in the original Wreck, but Wreck was like a really cool, spa- like Spanish looking kind of building with like a big foyer and like these like crazy stairs. Like an open concept kind of yeah. open inner courtyard thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I really liked the setting in Wreck and I'm interested in seeing how they translate that into a boring Western apartment. So we'll see. Well, <laughs> I'll put it to you this way, Alex. Of the three movies we've done so far in Remake Month, Quarantine is by far the most faithful to the original adaptation. So I think you will notice some very similar looking So is it going to be the same building, but it'd be like, hey, this is Los Angeles. (laughs) I don't know for sure if it's the same building, but it might be. It's very, (laughs) very much the same looking movie. (laughs) Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. It was episode 15 that we did wreck, by the way. Mm. Oh. All the way back to season one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then what you mentioned, Billy, about like not knowing your neighbors very well, and just like it, it just really reminds me of that one episode of Thirty Rock where Liz Lemon <laughs> has that neighbor that she thinks is a terrorist, but she doesn't want to say that he's a terrorist because she doesn't want to be racist. But there's all this stuff that like makes her really think that he's a terrorist. So she finally, like, if I remember correctly, she finally alerts people, and it turns out mm-hmm. he's just filming and training for the Amazing Race. Yeah, <laughs> and isn't that Fred Armisen? Isn't it Fred, Fred Armisen, Armisen play? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so good. <laughs> so we'll see if yeah. there are any potential amazing racers in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing just how it translates to. I, like, I, I'm looking forward to the conversation about why remakes are made because, as hmm. you said before, you quite like this movie. So we can we'll we'll we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that later. I'm sure. I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it. And I think this is a great way to, to leave it off. So listeners know that there'll be spoilers for this movie, especially after the trailer. We will not hide any of the facts that we do spoil those, spoil these movies. And as always, check out doesthedogdie.com if you would like to know sort of what the triggers are that we may talk about, the triggers of the movie. We wouldn't want anyone to have a bad time listening to our podcast. It's supposed to be fun. So check those out. And if there's anything really, really bad, we we will put those in our show notes. 
And yeah, we'll see you after the trailer. Ready? Okay. Hi, I'm Angela Vidal. We're in Los Angeles, traveling along with the fire department. Is that so bad? These are the men you'll be shadowing tonight. Wherever they go, you go too. Police are here. I might be a little more serious than we thought. A woman was screaming bloody murder back there. Fire department's about uh, to begin the rescue process. Police say that she lives alone. She's not very social. Okay, okay. We're gonna get you some medical help, okay? Quarantine is a 2008 American found footage horror film directed and co-written by John Eric Dowdle and co-written by Drew Dowdle, being a remake of the Spanish film Wreck. It follows a reporter and her cameraman assigned to a pair of Los Angeles firemen who follow a distress call to an apartment building where they discover a deadly mutated strain of rabies is spreading among the building's occupants. Escape becomes impossible once the government descends upon the building to prevent the virus from spreading beyond it and the pair continue to record the events that unfold inside, of which the film itself is the final result. Now that was a synopsis. That damn fine work, Alex Wan. Damn fine work, as usual. Well, there we go. Feels like I watched this movie. (laughs) About a year ago, actually. (laughs) However, a fun time was had by all. Luke, you pick this one. Lead us off with your thoughts and your feelings. Yeah, it's it's the combination of... I've definitely seen this movie literally before and pretty much with Wreck. This is a very, very, very close remake. So this time I was kind of like looking at more of the technical work being done. And I would say this is a really, really well-made found footage film and probably my favorite kind of found footage where it really utilizes, like good horror does, it utilizes the environment that it's in very effectively. So given this movie, I loved the kind of like shots around the stairs, around a corner, seeing something kind of in the corner of a screen. I thought they did a great job on the costume and makeup of the zombos in this. I thought that the <laughs> the kind of co- the color palette of like a dimly lit room with a pale face and blood and saliva. I, I thought the aesthetic of them was really compelling and the blood around the eyes. So... Yeah, I mean, I like this story. I think this is a good movie, and I think it was really well made. I'd be, I'd be interested to even talk a little bit about like the technical aspects of found footage that we've kind of maybe gotten tired of at some points, and how I think this movie did all of those things really well, and what like how I like found footage to be the best, even more so than like your paranormal activities, because I think these movies are better if 
the scary things are reality based, like hum- like maybe not aggressive rabies, but like human beings who are out of control or something like that. Like it's right. there are diseases in the world. This is just a fanciful take on one. And for lack of a better term, this is a more realistic type of found footage than some of the other ones that ask us to chew off a bit more in the suspended disbelief. And so uh, there really is a CDC. There really are quarantining effects that go on for diseases or really is panic that sets into a new scenario for people who are dealing with something like you know, <laughs> lockdowns, let's say. I can't so, relate. No yeah, I mean, and I think another thing to be to bring up too is talking about the difference between a remake of a previously made American movie and a remake of a foreign language film movie. I think there's a big difference there in what a filmmaker would be trying to do if they're mm-hmm. remaking it. And so, but yeah, all things considered, I think this is a pretty good movie. Agreed. Knowing the beats of the movie and knowing the plot of Wreck, which basically follows beat for beat, the mm-hmm. why of the the reason behind this like virus that's happening is a little bit different to Wreck, but the basic skeleton of this movie is almost 100% the same. There's like a couple different scenes early on and and throughout the movie where they've expanded a little bit there's a couple more effects that are more gory you can obviously tell there was more budget behind this one just in the in the way the makeup and the effects and the kills were and chief among them they got doug jones to be the creepy scary guy they didn't have to settle Mm. for javier butet we love you javier butet but if you can get doug jones you're gonna get doug jones and it was Still tense, still very surprising when the kills were happening, even though I was like, oh, this is the part where he's standing next to the window and it's going to like the CDC guy is going to break through. And this is the part where the door to the fabric workshop or whatever is opening up and they're trying to crawl under it. Like I knew all the beats that were coming, but it was still like very tense and very scary to know there's a scare coming. And yeah, I'd be really interested to talk about those differences between the Spanish movie and the to make it for an American audience that you talked about, Luke, and kind of do a compare and contrast that way. But I also really like this movie. This was fun and great and engaging. And the first act, the first like 20 minutes was so comforting and fun and enjoyable. I was like, I want to watch the universe where this night goes off without a hitch. And they're just like hanging out at the fire station because it was yeah. so like cool and fun and, and had a good time but we'll we'll dive in alex what's your first takes overall i thought this was a good movie i think it was a decent remake i did like there were some parts where i don't know this movie felt a little weird to me because there were parts where it was shot for shot identical and then mm-hmm. there were parts where obviously they had their own creative liberties um with you know specific details and then in this movie's case the ending itself right so I felt a little weird about that because not not that it's a bad thing. It just like felt, made me feel like, oh, am I watching a shot for shot remake or am I watching a new story? Why is it sometimes a little bit different? Like when I was expecting something to be shot for shot, it wasn't. And then when I was expecting something to be different, it was the same. <laughs> so it 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 kind of it zigged when you zagged, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) yeah and then like you said billy obviously they had a much bigger budget than wreck so lots of the effects lots of the gore and the zombos were were probably better budgeted and you could see like visually this movie looked better 
I think my minor critiques for now that we'll probably dwell into a little bit more is the biggest one for me is the ending. I think the ending of Wreck is so much better than the ending of Quarantine. Ooh, okay. And I, maybe this is just me, but, and maybe it was the exact same in Wreck, but being able to understand English, the the two leads were far more annoying in this one than they were in Wreck. <laughs> and that's probably, like, maybe yeah, if you're okay. a native Spanish speaker, you'd be like, oh, those leads were so annoying, but because I understood every single word they were saying, and it wasn't like lost in subtitle translation or whatever, I found Angela and Scott to be far more annoying in this movie than I found Angela and Pablo to be mm. in Red. Oh, Ooh, yeah, I want to get into that for sure. But on that, I think it was a fine movie, and even though I knew what was going to happen, I was tense the whole time. It's an affecting movie in terms of its kind of aura i guess and it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat even 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 if you know what's up mm-hmm. and i would love to talk about the ending but i feel like we'll save that for maybe in the end yeah. of the episode but, <laughs> but i know that we we talked about this when we when we watched wreck and how the start of it really felt like if you had just like wandered in and somebody put this like turned on the tv and this was playing without seeing any of it it would feel like you're just watching these late night reporters doing like a puff piece for a show or a late night news channel or whatever and it it really got that feeling like if if i didn't recognize the fact that it was jennifer carpenter the fact that it's jay hernandez like people who's like this movie was full of like oh that guy actors like oh that that's Mm -hmm. i've seen that person somewhere and like if i didn't know who they were it, it would feel very much like yeah we're we're just watching this little story about people what do they do a day in the life at a fire station and that translated over really well i thought that part was very funny like i thought they had good humor the rapport between the firemen and angela was good i really laughed at the the joke where she slides down the fire pole and it's like what do you do when you slide down the fire pole in a skirt and the the chief is just like oh pantyhose helps i was like yeah that was a good joke that was a well-crafted joke very funny <laughs> I but, wonder if it was also because it's like hose and firefighters have hoses all the I, time. <laughs> Hello. Mm. <laughs> I think so. But I was also like There's a whole new meaning to the term fireman hose, right? <laughs> is that, right. Is that well, a quote? We, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was somewhere there. We saw that one. But the little tiny things and the hints that happen in the innocuous way that pay off in a scary way later was really interesting. And it's like there's a scene where oh especially talking about the shower scene where that guy keeps opening the door after and they're like no 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 close the door close the door and it's like there's somebody holding a door shut while somebody's like trying to get out that's going to come back mm-hmm. later in this zombie movie and it'll be scary and the Zombies? fact that they uh, z- sorry zambos zambos, zambos? right zambos. american it, there's zambos in this one there, there were zambos in espana there's zambos <laughs> right. in zambos this time okay of course my apologies <laughs> or like you know when she's recording at at night and the she's talking in the dormitory and the door opens and it kind of startles her for a second it's like oh yeah that's going to come back later on and i was really aware of those types of tricks and i thought it was really well done probably second only to Shaun of the dead i think Shaun of the dead does the mirroring between normal life and zombie life like in a perfect way <laughs> and this one is like an a a plus you know 90 percent sort of way but Mm-hmm. the the opening scene was the the non-scary stuff was top notch what are your thoughts on that one i liked it i think it, it was 
it was weird because it was literally shot for shot, right? Like she opens up at the start, but the, there was they had their own like kind of creative spin on it. Like I don't think in Wreck you ever see Pablo at all, right? You'll no. maybe see his feet or his arms, but in Quarantine you see Scott in the opening shot when he goes to like fix fix her hair or something. So yeah, he's that like was his own character. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was a cool change. Like, I thought it was way more realistic that you would actually be able to see Scott sometimes on camera than never seeing Scott at all. So I, I enjoyed that touch that this movie did. But yeah, it was it was literally like the same. If I remember Rec correctly, it was like the same dialogue as well. And the like the fire station looked the same, even when they go into the dining hall and all those like firefighters are like clapping and stuff and eating like that mm-hmm. was that was so similar. But then they added a little bit more stuff, right? Like they added the locker room and, and you know. The handball court. Yeah, because it was a basketball court in rec, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like it was like seeing an old friend for a long, like that you haven't seen in a long time, you know, watching the opening <laughs> scenes for quarantine. And it was like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. This is cool. <laughs> so, I yeah, I like you, Billy, I really enjoyed the the opening kind of act where they do a lot of introduction and there's there's a little teeny bit more character development you know there's mustache firefighter fletcher fletcher yeah he's a little bit of a character um, (laughs) whereas i don't think they had as much like conversation between the two Mm -hmm. in in rec but in this one it 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 seems a little bit more natural because like there was a lot of like oh like well we're gonna be recording everything they want some more b-roll so like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep recording and, and it picks up all those kind of side conversations that they have, which was which was nice. Mm-hmm. I like that they gave everybody who was outside of the apartment building more of a character arc. Like Scott had more of a character arc. We learned more about Jake and Fletcher, who was going to follow them around. And uh, Angela, I don't think they changed her arc very much because she there was not too much more to change from the Spanish one. But I really also like the sort of history of the fire department. Like it was, I was like, Oh, I'm learning things. And they're like, the Dalmatians were there because they were good with horses and they were able to like work well. Now we've adopted them. And that whole like scene where they take, they take the hook ladder down and they show us that I was like in a more schlocky horror movie that it gets used as a weapon somehow. I don't think it's going to happen in this <laughs> one, but like that definitely, there's definitely some sort of horror movie where someone gets <laughs> hook laddered to death, but like those scenes were very expanded to a great degree but what about you luke what was your take on the opening part any differences that jumped out to you well in those those parts specifically the ladder and the dalmatian would be exactly the kind of things a news puff piece would ask about so it felt Mm -hmm. very much like flush with the entire premise of the newscasters even being there so it was definitely great and yeah, I think unlike the two of you, I watched Quarantine before Wreck, so I had no comparisons to make between the two when I watched it for the first time. And I remember thinking I'd never seen a movie like this before because being 2008, we're still like relatively early days of mainstream found footage movies, and I don't think there were any like a newscast type before, like Paranormal Activities, Home Video, Home Security Cam, and even Blair Witch was like teenagers making that video right like home video kind of style so this is the first one i remember the reason that the filming was happening was for a newscast and so i thought that that was a really cool feeling when you know the movie just starts with no credits nothing barely even a logo and then Mm. she's just talking kind of informally and nonchalantly so i definitely 
again, it's a little bit hard to gauge now because we're more saturated with this kind of movie, but it was a really unique movie when it came out. Like, there just weren't any other movies like it other than Wreck, obviously, which I had never seen, which is why this movie was made, because people in Canada and the U.S. hadn't seen Wreck, but it was a huge hit there. And so I remember just being quite captivated by this kind of movie when it was still fresh. And I, and I like, yeah, I think there's a shelf life for found footage like everything else. But I appreciate this movie watching it again, remembering how unique it was when it came out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I use the term unique at arm's length, considering it's like a shot for shot remake, as you say, <laughs> but unique to us, the movie going world in 2008 and like just being fascinated by what you were now able to do on screen when the camera is part of the story, you know? And so, yeah, that was cool. I, so yeah, I, yeah. I liked it. And, and like 2007, 2008, this was like peak talking head style comedy show, right? Like this is when mm-hmm. office, the office is the biggest, the British office had come out a few years before, right? Like this was the time when it was like, Okay, the mid two thousands. We're gonna we're gonna make all our shows like this. I think Modern Family also maybe came out around mm-hmm. this time, and, and so Parks it was and, like Parks and Rec was two thousand nine. It started, right? Yeah. So like the the idea of the like documentary style found footage cameraman is like the invisible observer, but kind of like moving around. Like this would have grabbed the zeitgeist. I can imagine somebody mm-hmm. being like, "Oh, do you want to go see Quarantine?" It's like if The Office was a horror movie and that like being enough to get a lot of people in, right? I don't think they could make Quarantine in the same way now than they did in 2008. Like, I just don't think it would work. I just imagine a more innocent time when in 2008, when somebody's like, the CDC is there and one of the people in the building is like, what's that? Like, ah, remember when not everybody knew what the CDC was immediately? <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. (sighs) so yeah like yeah i i know we've done a number of found footage films now i just really am admiring of the trailblazers in any particular field and wreck slash quarantine i think are incredible trailblazers in the history of found footage because of their unique style of being a news type and then also like not having to depend on ghosts or supernatural stuff. Like there's something legitimately terrifying about mm-hmm. uncontrolled people and like the claustrophobia nature of found footage. Like you, the thing is, I think you can overdo it, right? Like this movie could have been overdone in the frenetic nature. And I don't think it was, which is hard to believe considering it's mm. rabid zombies. Like maybe there's a few yeah. shots where it's like moving too fast, but it could have been way worse than it was. Like Scott was actually a pretty good cameraman <laughs> in this film Spencer's. in terms of <laughs> just get, considering the design space of how shaky and out of focus and shitty the shots could have been. I thought that the mm-hmm. cinematographer did a really good job in keeping the terror, like the zombie, the Zambos were legitimately terrifying in this movie. Like every time they're on mm-hmm. screen and they're on screen for like five or six frames sometimes and you're just like oh shit go oh, shit yeah. oh like, shit oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> you know <laughs> i just i think the deft touch of showing them just enough at the right time to be scary was done incredibly well in quarantine and, and probably wreck too although i don't remember as well 
Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, yeah. like a, just a, a really, that's what I mean from the very beginning. This is an extremely well-made found footage film. Maybe the best I've seen in terms of its technical aspects. So you know how earlier I was kind of saying it's cool that they showed Scott right away and it made Scott like a real character and gave mm-hmm. yeah. gave him some screen time? As As much as I enjoyed that, I did also find that us knowing what he looked like and knowing what he is capable of on camera made me feel a little less immersed with this experience compared to Rec. Sure. So the reason I say this is we see like, like there's a few shots of we see Scott and then we also see him pointing the camera at a mirror in the movie. So you actually see him and you, we see how big the camera is as well. Right. So in my mind, as soon as I see Scott and as soon as I see him carrying this giant camera, I'm like, oh, Scott is a physically fit, like strong enough to hold this camera fairly steady for the whole kind of movie. And and I have that kind of mental image in my mind of who and what Scott is potentially capable of. So the parts that really kind of took me out of this movie is having that mental image in my head, but then he's not helping in a lot of situations. He's just standing there with the camera. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. any other kind of strong, able-bodied person would like maybe put the camera down on the floor for like 75% of the, this movie and be like, I'm going to fight off the Zombos with you instead of just watching. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, the, the biggest unimmersive part of this was when the group of four or five of them flee upstairs and they're holding the door as Zambos are trying to break in. Mm-hmm. And, and he's just filming. Yeah, Jake is holding the door and he's yelling for help. And the old guy, Yuri, <laughs> right. is the one that helps. I'm like, Scott, can you not like, you know, it, it's... Just- it Maybe down. it's old fashioned of me to think, but like if I see an old person <laughs> on transit, I'm going to be like, do you want a seat? If I see an old person walking up to the grocery store door as I'm walking up to it, I'm going to open it for them because, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm a little bit more capable of doing this than probably they are. So yeah. why not do my part? Because we have this image of what Scott looks like and we know what he's capable of. Right. Those were the parts where I found I was kind of not immersed in the found footage part. Okay, I buy that. Yeah. Except he took seriously Angela's claim of you. Film everything. Don't stop <laughs> filming. Like, the people have to know. <laughs> but but the, see, this was another maybe like maybe it was said in the in, in rec in Spanish that I don't didn't understand or and they didn't translate, but there was that part where after the cop shoots the lady where she's like, cut the camera, cut the camera. So she's mm. being inconsistent with her instructions as well. She's asking right. him to cut the camera sometimes. She's telling him to never stop recording sometimes. <laughs> maybe it's like, like I said, maybe it's a language thing. Maybe they, they did do that in rec and I, we just didn't, right. weren't aware of it because it wasn't translated because we don't understand the language. But there were right. those little pieces in this movie that made it a little bit more inconsistent than my experience with rec, which okay. took me a little bit more out of the found footage so if we're comparing found footage strictly right. on like immersion not that quarantine is bad for immersion but i thought rec did it better yeah, yeah that makes sense. Okay. mostly maybe because of my ign- ignorance to the spanish language but right <laughs> too yeah. many hermanos in rec hey yeah exactly <laughs> what does that word mean i <laughs> i i agree with you alex and i hadn't really considered that because one of the best things about rec and and in quarantine to a lesser extent or any found footage at all is where you can kind of feel like you're the camera person it's kind of the same way when you're playing a first play uh, first person perspective video game and a lot of those 
characters are you know they don't have a ton of dialogue they don't usually you don't usually see them so you can sort of be like i'm playing the game i'm i'm in this and in wreck it felt a lot like yeah i could be the one holding the camera and watching and having scott be a real person in his own right is is great but it does give you one of those moments where you're like yeah why wasn't he helping hold the door Mm-hmm. Yuri Yuri can't do that. Like why wasn't he helping like <laughs> hold down one of the the Zambos that's that's going there? Although before you I, I see you have a point to make, Alex, but before you do that, I will say my my biggest quibble about Wreck was the fact that they had the live rewind and that was not in this part. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was <laughs> just about to say that. I'm not saying that Wreck is a perfectly immersive movie because we yeah. all agree that the whole rewind part <laughs> really took us out of it. So I was <laughs> I was actually really happy that they didn't have that mm-hmm. shot for shot rewind in this movie. So some yeah. Rex did some things better in my opinion. Quarantine did some things better in my opinion. But overall, possibly more probably because of the whole language thing, I was more immersed in Rex mm-hmm. than I was in quarantine. Well, uh, yeah, I think we talked about this before. Oh, sorry. You go, Billy. I was just going to say, like, I was writing the notes and I was like, oh, here comes the part with Mrs. Espinosa. She's going to get shot. And here comes the rewind part. And then there was just a tape cut. And I was like, oh, they didn't do it. They didn't do the they thing learned. that bothered me. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Then. I think we've talked about this before, so we don't have to burn a lot of candle on it. But I think this is the perennial problem or the perennial obstacle for found footage is that you're constantly weighing making a quote-unquote realistic found footage with a movie an audience is going to want to watch right because if Mm -hmm. scott actually does behave in the way that you're saying someone in that situation would we're getting a camera on the floor shooting nothing for a minute like (laughs) that's just not gopro baby give me the gopro harness (laughs) sure 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 but at least the 2021 movie at the time the trade-off would be a movie no one would want to watch if you Mm -hmm. so it's like the give and take of realism for still a work of fiction that are going to want to be viewed by people. And, and I think that that, I think your point is right, Alex. It's just that it's like almost impossible to make a completely immersive, believable from soup to nuts found footage. That is also fun to watch. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to totally agree with that. You're going to have a camera like bouncing off and just shaking the whole time. And you're like, Oh, you're going to like, it'll induce seizures or something. You're just going to look at the wall the whole yeah. time. And yeah, the real version <laughs> of this movie is the first 20 minutes are the same. There's like Mrs. Espinosa gets shot and, Scott drops the camera, and for the rest of the 80 minutes, it's just looking at a wall <laughs> yeah. while we hear screaming and shooting <laughs> exactly. and, like, like running around yeah. behind the camera, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a reason why, like, security footage is mostly pretty boring. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. imagine watching a movie of CCTV for two hours. Probably it's just nothing. <laughs> you know? so, Probably, yeah. Just an alleyway. Just, nothing at all. <laughs> so that's the logistical hurdle, and it's a huge hurdle that found footage filmmakers have to try and jump over or or you know to mix it up for like thread that needle of realism from the found footage feel with a compelling narrative that can be followed by a movie audience who's actually watching a work of fiction right no totally yeah there's there's that balance that needs to be made and yeah. i think overall quarantine did it yeah 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 that's what i was saying i think if we take like the baseline of how to make a better than average found footage like quarantine might be one of the kind of like benchmarks of what you're shooting for in that trade-off of realism and narrative because 
I mean, you could, <laughs> there's a line from the movie The International where one of the characters near the end says, well, that's the difference between truth and fiction. Fiction has to make sense, right? So <laughs> movie makers have to have a movie that looks reality-based make sense. Otherwise, I mean, if you had an, you could have an, uh, the ver the unreliable narrator in found footage is just a camera on the floor where we don't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or like ah, good super super reliable so yeah i mean maybe but like you're right alex like maybe they make a movie where the cameraman is like 110 pounds a little weakling who can't help hold the door so it's more believable that he's just filming instead of yuri right. being the person at the door i don't know but if they do something like this in a few years like i i definitely see in the future, a movie where somebody's got like a personal paired drone that like is mm -hmm. flying and filming on them and that being the horror movie conceit for whatever reason, maybe Paranormal Activity 8 or something like here comes Toby back from the dead or something like mm -hmm. there's going to have, you know, far enough in the future, there's going to be something like that. And that movie hasn't been made yet. And I'll watch it when it comes out. But for now, yeah, it still has mm -hmm. to be held by a human and you have to sort of ignore that they're there. And either you do that by not giving them any lines or any screen time like they did with Pablo or making them mm -hmm. camera taped to a rotary fan like Paranormal Activity 3. But, you know, yeah. we <laughs> I'll put it to you this way. Go. I think really anytime you say the word found footage, like a quarter of your tongue needs to be in your cheek. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to do this, but can we take a two minute or okay, I'll okay. be right back. We're going to vamp. Vamp, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about that movie. No, let's not. Let's talk about quarantine. <laughs> All right. I, what were we talking about before you left, Alex? Because I kind of don't remember. <laughs> I think we were like wrapping up the topic on like the trade-off of believability versus good narrative. Oh, yes, 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 yes. A quarter of our tongue not, must be in our cheeks when we even say the term found footage. Yes, that was the last Very thing true. you said, Luke. I do think that the way they had the cuts and the way the time jumped in the film was really good. Like, there wasn't any sort of contrivance or, I don't know, it felt like, yeah, this would be how they found the camera after all the zombies were taking, sorry, Zambos were taking care of. They found the tape and they're like, well, what's on this? And then they watch it and they're like, why didn't Scott help at all? That seems weird yeah. to me. But it's also probably <laughs> when Scott pressed stop record and record again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she's like, turn it off, and then it's like, okay, and we're back. That's when he helped. <laughs> That's when he helped. Let's. What about the the? We, we talked about the bigger budget in this one. Do let's talk about the effects and the the gore because mm. I, for one, really thought the not only the Zambo effects were good, but all the other body horror stuff was very gross and very well done. Specifically, poor Fletcher, who just got, I think the most of the effects the, the shot of the leg with the bone sticking out poking out oh, i was just like oh oh no 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 and then no, when no. he's, he's very trying to walk crawling. out and you can see like the pressure is oh it was really gross oh that was so effective it was so effective so that was really well done i really liked how they did that but luke you you talked a little bit more about the contrast and the colors mm -hmm. of this movie so why don't you expand on that a little bit yeah, I think, first of all, they just did a really good job with their color palette, like the contrast between like the yellow of the fireman jackets and the flashing lights that we got through the windows the whole time. And like, 
none of the main lights were on in the building, but all of the secondary lights were on. So it was lit enough to see everything you needed to see, but not like fluorescent or anything like that. So it wasn't overwhelming. Just the color of how the Zombos or the Zambos looked. I thought it was like the perfect amount of visceral disgust without being too much, right? Like it doesn't go full evil dead, but it also doesn't shy away from the disgusting things that are happening. But again, because of the camera style, you're not focusing too long on a gross thing. It's just kind of like, even the gore kind of creeps up on you. And then all of a sudden it's there. Oh, gross. We look at it, but then we look away really fast. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I guess the thing that I loved about the camera work is that it spent, it it managed like the whole movie, I thought to spend the exact right amount of time on the thing that it was shooting, which obviously is weird because it has to be moving all the time, but Mm -hmm. it didn't overshow a Zambo while it was attacking. Right. It just, Oh my gosh. And now we have to run. So I think that that the color scheme and the like low lighting, but still really able to see everything. It was just so creepy. And, and sketchy. It was gross. And I just did some quick back of the envelope Googling. And Wreck was made for $2 million. And Quarantine was made for $12 million. So this one had six times the mm-hmm. budget behind it. Which was, yeah, you could you could really see. Especially mm-hmm. in those, those six times shots. the gore. Six times the gore. You're right. The, the kills were bigger and grosser. I think the one that where Scott kills the zombie. I don't oh. remember her name. But just like the random... With the camera, woman zombie with the camera, and I I loved that. You're gonna, you're gonna break the lens. (laughs) That was the most unrealistic part of the movie. (laughs) Sure, but but like great great scene, realistic in the sense that he would use a camera to kill a Zambo attacking him. Right? Like, of course, you'd use that that, as a weapon. In that the camera was completely unaffected at the end. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe Zambos have soft faces. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe, maybe soft brains as well. But that was my favorite addition to quarantine that mm. wasn't in wreck was was that specific kill cuz like I remember the first time I saw it I was like whoa like this is so literally in your face killing this zambo <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, the camera's like you're just and it's like woo and you just like oh, oh. it's just like oh fuck <laughs> this is so visceral Yes, it was very visceral. I could feel when they leave Fletcher upstairs to attend to Mrs. Espinosa, and then he gets thrown off the balcony. Like, that was very visceral and gory as well. And just, they love doing these in, in zombie movies. And The Walking Dead does it a lot where, you know, a zombie or a Zambo or a walker or whatever you're going to call them will bite somebody. And then it pulls back and there's like all the stretchy like neck ligaments and skin. And it's all just like, ooh, yuck, ooh, yucky. Yeah. Here, keep talking. Very, I got to grab my power bar. Jeez, everybody's leaving in the middle of this recording. I completely forgot about Fletcher's character. So in Wreck, mm-hmm. the other firefighter getting thrown yeah. off. Like, I remembered every other part. Like, when they first go check on Mrs. Espinosa, I was like, oh, yeah, this cop's 100% getting bit. Or yeah. when mom's holding Rihanna, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. mom gets bit here. I remember all I'm that. Bit. Yep. For some reason, it completely slipped my mind that right at the beginning of the film, the other firefighter gets thrown off the ledge. So that was actually quite shocking to me because I didn't remember that. And then it <laughs> happened. I was like, whoa, what, what the fuck did I just see? And then I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah, we, we saw this part already. No, it was it was great to sort of know when all the kills were coming because it was a good way to not 
really be scared of them. And like, I was like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's gonna... Ah, there it is. It happened. And it was also really nice to see little tiny baby Joey King in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, that was Joey Yeah, King. I recognized her. Yeah. I totally recognized her. She was in her. The she Conjuring. Was... Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a question that occurred to me for the two of you because of this being remake month and the difference between me having seen Quarantine before Wreck and vice versa for the two of you. So the launch pad to talk about the differences is, would you have liked Quarantine more, less, or the same, do you think, if you hadn't seen Wreck first? Ooh. Hmm. I have an answer already. Yeah, go for it. I thought about this already. I think I would have liked Quarantine more if I'd never seen Wreck. But already, I guess, spoilers for the end, if I had to recommend one of the two to someone, I would personally recommend Wreck. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Billy? I think I liked it more because I knew it was coming and I could brace myself a little bit. Like, I was like, oh, it's going to be scary. And I know in which ways it's going to be scary. And then it still managed to defy my expectations a little bit like there was other scenes that even though i watched this movie 99 percent, you know faithfully done the one percent that was different was still shocking when he stomps on the rat that comes and attacks him mm. i was like oh i was like not expecting that and like oh good job movie you you, you frightened me a little bit <laughs> did or you when... understand exactly what i meant when i put wtf scott in the yes, chat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little bit ahead of me on the viewing and i was like oh what did scott do oh he oh that's what he did he stomps <laughs> on a rat and then the kill with the camera uh, against that one zambo like that was very surprising and yeah but like knowing what was coming I actually listened to another podcast, and this is a good enough time to bring it up. I cannot remember what it's called. It might have been 99% Invisible, but it was talking... It talked about horror sounds and horror Mm. movie soundtracks and stuff, and how there's, like, the music, but there's also, like, a lot of horror movies use, like, subsonic frequencies and really, like, deep bass things to kind of, like, affect you in a weird, visceral way and, like, unsettle you because there's, like, this vibration happening that your body doesn't quite hear but your your brain is still like something is going on and i don't know what it is so i'm unsettled echolocation and not echolocation that's <laughs> okay but sonar so, also not that but they were saying like <laughs> if you're watching something that's scary in a movie often an easier way to mitigate the scare is to like block up your ears rather than cover your eyes because like if you cut off those sounds and you can't you can't get to them it sort of neutralizes it and in that scene in the attic where they're like looking around and scanning i was like getting really tense i knew that there was going to be a jump scare but like so i was like you know what i'm gonna try it i put my hands over your ears i covered my ears really tight and then it's just like you're just watching like shapes move around at that point and i was just like oh it's (laughs) not that scary and there's some weird baby in the attic and i don't really understand what that's about (laughs) so like knowing that knowing what was coming was like a great relief and Mm and it was enjoyable that being said if people were like which one should i watch quarantine or wreck i'd say watch wreck like definitely Mm -hmm. watch wreck over quarantine quarantine's great i had a fun time with it but i gotta give love to the the og one yeah for sure i i when i first watched quarantine i liked it a lot and then when i watched wreck i was like oh this is better in the sense that it was first right like it deserves the kudos because it basically is quarantine but it was more original literally (laughs) it was the first one but in the subsequent years i have come to like quarantine a little bit more again i think maybe because they were 
they didn't really have to work too hard on a script. They were able to really focus in on those other technical things that I think quarantine. Mm, yeah. I think Wreck is a better story and a better movie in its originality, but I do think quarantine, because of their bigger budget, actually is a better visual thing. Like you talked about, Alex, like it just, mm. it's a little less grainy. I think they had those fun, like, oh, I know that guy actor a couple mm-hmm. times in this like the guy from Ally McBeal was the vet that was kind of funny to like oh, see that's him. where he was from I was like, <laughs> yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen him from? yeah and so these two movies are very strange in my mind because they're so similar and yet I hold them also very differently based on what I think they were trying to do like I just don't think Wreck had the ambition to be a visual treat like Quarantine was in the way because it was much more focused on telling the story and quarantine i think didn't need to emphasize that as much even though it was for a new audience because they knew people would go watch wreck and i'm grateful for quarantine existing because that's how i found out about wreck and wreck has Mm -hmm. a number of other sequels and right it's just like obviously it's different now with the way that the internet is but i i just i don't know like i there aren't really many movies we've done like this where they come so close together in time and they're so similar, and yet I still feel kind of differently about them just based on what I think that they were trying to do as films. Mm-hmm. Like Quarantine, obviously, trying to introduce people to this movie that was a huge hit in Spain. I think it did that really successfully, right? Like, I think Quarantine, because it was copying such a good formula from Wreck, it was able to do the other things really compellingly. And so it's like a more holistic. I don't know, maybe Wreck is a better movie, but I think more holistically, Quarantine landed a bit better in Hmm. everything that a movie can do, even though Wreck has a better story because it's original, if that makes sense. Right. No, it totally makes sense. I do think, again, it's hard to tell because we don't know Spanish. I do think that the tension of the story is a little bit easier to follow in Quarantine. Like, we kind of know what's happening a bit more. Which allows for some weird other feelings of realism. Where in Wreck, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. If I had watched yeah. Wreck first, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about the differences in the story then, where mm. the plot in Wreck centers around some. Okay, I'm maybe going to get this wrong, but I can't remember. But it's like the virus is a result of the Catholic church wanting to infect people in a way to prove that, or to, to make it seem like this lady is possessed. They're going to find a cure for her disease. And then mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, look at that. The Catholic church can cure people who are possessed. Aren't we great? Yeah. And in this movie, there's no religious aspect. Well, maybe, but there's no like Catholic church aspect. It's there's a cult aspect. It's a cult. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the why of this movie. And Luke, I think your best point is to sort of lead us through and lead the listeners who maybe haven't watched it through kind of what's going on at the very end. Yeah, certainly the biggest narrative difference between Wreck and Quarantine is the explanation for the existence of this virus in the first place. And yeah, in Wreck, it was a Catholic-based, I guess, conspiracy to infect people with an unknown virus that they actually had the antidote to but we're going to pretend it was exorcisms i think i thought it was there was i thought there was an age like or 
patient zero. There was like the mm, that maybe. girl that was, was some infected, girl, yeah, and yeah. she got brought in by the church, and they were gonna find a cure for her because she like the virus made it look like she was demon possessed, so they mm-hmm. were gonna find a cure for her and then be like, look, we can we have demon exorcism skills, right. but then that virus in her got out of control mm-hmm. and created like this big thing that spread throughout. Did the, building. the church itself right. create the virus, or was it just found? I. That I don't know. That I, I don't know, but I'm leaning on no that the church did not create okay, it. It okay. was from this one girl, right. and they were going to use her disease mm-hmm. as demon possession right. stuff. Yeah. Right. Whereas in quarantine, it's a single guy who has created this virus through animals, rats, and, and then dogs also. I thought he stole mm. it. Well, yeah, yeah. He I guess what he cultivated it or... or cultured it there was that article that had Mm -hmm. a news like that the news article that said there was a break-in with a theft with a A doomsday cult behind it uh yeah yeah so he he took or he either he stole it or his group stole it and then he is i don't know the right term i think it's culturing the virus or cultivating it in the lab in his apartment with rats right and then maybe a dog or a dog gets it later from one of the rats and I guess I'd have to look over the newspaper clippings that they see again, but I guess it's like because they want to infect people for some of their doomsday reasons. Yeah. Well, it's a doomsday cult, right? Yeah. So if I guess the cult's motive is like, it's the end of the world. If you follow us, you won't die or whatever. And well, yeah, know. here, here, you know, it's always, here. <laughs> you always make money being here, a cult leader. Therein lies the paradox of the utopian or the apocalyptic mindset is yeah. that <laughs> if you promise the apocalypse and it doesn't arise on its own you have an incentive to create it yourself so <laughs> oh so Self- you're saying it's one of those weird fringe cults that's like <laughs> the end of the world will come on may 18th 2008 and then it's may 19th and they're like look we did the math wrong it's actually going to be in october and then <laughs> like <laughs> and you can't be wrong twice <laughs> so you better get a virus yeah. <laughs> that's actually going to make sure that that happens right it's, what do they say it's a self-fulfilling apocalypse that's a word that's definitely a word you've you've said how many syllables was in that word 69 yeah. 60 69 <laughs> syllables so yeah like there's a plausible quote-unquote plausible reason for this virus to exist in this apartment complex yeah. in the way that it does they do explore it a little bit more they made a sequel called quarantine 2 terminal and it is very bad that's in the air the airport yeah i really hope we never do it it's it's quite quite awful and not found footage so <laughs> next week <laughs> yeah but yeah it's terrifying <laughs> yeah it's the the reason of it is like okay so there's a doomsday cult and they made a zombie virus and they want to infect people and it's like okay i can buy all that but if you like pick back the layer being like what what why are doomsday cults like what you know <laughs> what do they have to gain by killing everybody in the world because guess what you're also in the world so like it didn't seem yeah. like this cult had like an inoculation against it, right? right? As a way to be like you said, Alex, like join us and you'll be saved from the like super rabies or whatever this is. It was just like, no, 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 we're a doomsday cult and we just want to end the world because I think reasons we don't know enough about the cult specifically, but a lot of cults no. are fatalistic. Like they don't mind being part of the people who die in. Okay. I mean, right. even like, <laughs> like the heaven's gate cult they all killed themselves because they believed mm-hmm. they were going to go up to the jesus spaceship 
in the tale of the Hale-Bopp comet, right? Like that's yeah. that was their eschatology, and uh, it's like okay, so presumably this is a cult that doesn't mind joining everyone in the end of the world. In fact, maybe they presume that they're actually saving everyone, including themselves, by doing this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess given the choice between two cults, one that wants to do a ritualistic group suicide for only its members is a bit better on balance than one that wants to do a ritualistic suicide of themselves and everyone else on the planet. Because then you just, I would simply not join that cult. I would simply well, yeah. not join the one that's like, at the end of the day, you have to, yeah. you have to take your own life. And get well, yeah, because uh, be like, no, thank you. Unless, unless you're in that cult or a family member of someone that cult or a friend, it's a, like a purely sociological phenomenon to like, right. think about and talk about, right? You can't spell culture without cult. <laughs> That's right. That's some good smithing. Whereas, yeah, like, th- there are different levels of cult all the way down mm-hmm. from, you know, Heaven's Gate all the way up to, you know, like in Wreck, the Catholic Church. Hot take! <laughs> <laughs> zing, zing, zing. <laughs> I think there's a joke there. Hot like, take, what's, the, hot take. what's the difference between, like, organized religion and a cult? It's just membership numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought the answer was 2,000 years. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, like, it's clearly the point of this movie is not the why of the virus. It's the what of it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. essentially, right? Like seeing the Mm -hmm. the Zambinos running around. But um, they do throw in a reason why it's there that, whatever, fine. (laughs) Yeah. I want to hear from you and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more because I, I believe you talked about how they more westernized or Americanized the reason compared to Wreck. So mm. what do you mean exactly by that? Like are cults just more prevalent in oh. America than the Catholic Church? Well, or? I don't know I so. if that is like numerically true, but like Spain is one of the most Catholic countries in the world, right? So the fact that it was a Catholic reason would have been extremely resonant to a Spanish audience watching Wreck, and then other Spanish-speaking places in the world where Spain colonized and went to, so like Philippines and parts of South America, etc., are also quite Catholic because of the Spanish influence in those places. So mm-hmm. I just think that the reason it was, there would have been a significant pop In America, if you wanted to make it uh, specifically Christian, you'd probably make it Protestant. Like some sort of like maybe Fred Phelps, Westboro Baptist, you know, snake, <laughs> snake. <laughs> That's essentially what it is, though, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's, no, it's exactly. Christian cult in all but name. And yeah, like America is the home of they don't have a monopoly on cults, but they certainly have a market share <laughs> that is disproportionate. <laughs> the corner of the market. The, yeah. yeah. So. I do think these kind of like doomsday and smaller and offshoot cults capture the American imagination more than any other country and and like a good substitute for a specifically Catholic one, I would say. And I think just being in 2008, like the the memory of like the anthrax through the mail scares of Mm -hmm. like 2001 and like post 9-11, that is still looming large. The whole like domestic terrorism like terrorism from overseas like that that sort of zeitgeist of america in that time was like huge so huge right like you're not going to be so scared of like the church boogeyman like when they're talking about like i don't know have you seen spotlight see something say something (laughs) 
you know, th- those types of things. <laughs> I have not seen Spotlight. But Oh, really? Like, Great film. <laughs> I've not, no, I've heard it's good. So, like, I can totally see that, like, that biological warfare, that chemical warfare, you know, whatever sort of fear is going to strike home more than the Catholic Church, even though the Catholic Church did atrocities in America, just like it did everywhere else in the world where it colonized. But the scarier of the two things, I think, is going to be one that's sort of a religious or a fringe cult in America, because there's so many different peoples in America and so many different beliefs and religious practices that's like, yeah, they're not going to be so scared if it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the Catholics. They're at it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could could even be more traumatizing for people to watch. <laughs> Do you think if Quarantine was never remade in 2008, right? But was remade now, it would be like either like a Chinese or Russian foreign biohazard thing where a secret agent brought it over and tried to infect america i see it could like, also like be like q and i that would be resonate like... with americans right <laughs> yeah it could be that Maybe, or it yeah. could be somebody in america just being like that's it the libs are out of control it's time for <laughs> us people to stand up for what's right like that is very terrifying it'd be q themselves <laughs> but also yeah. like I think there's also a, a historical slash sociological reason why this kind of thing works in American storytelling is that mm-hmm. even though America is one of the most religious countries still in the world and certainly one of the most Western democracies, unlike a lot of other countries and Western countries, it never had an official religion like a, in terms of a state religion. That's kind of like what Thomas Jefferson was so crucial in in crafting the constitution in the way that he did was that there were like because the united states was a haven for so many quote-unquote persecuted religious minorities in england and germany and the netherlands and a few other countries the different colonies had different forms of christianity that they would have at the time called different religions right like quakerism would have been different from presbyterianism which would have been different from baptism in the mind of the the people at that time. And so when that all was happening, a lot of these groups were vying to become the state religion when the United States became a nation state. And Jefferson said, well, instead of what England did by making Anglicanism the state religion, and instead of like having the Catholic Church be the state religion of Italy, let's say, we're actually going to do something different and have no state religion. We're going to have a separation of church and state. All of you can go flourish in your own pastures, but none of you are going to get your hand on the wheel of state control. And one of the side effects kind of backfired, though, right? (laughs) Well, it depends. It depends. I mean, the the persecution of religious minorities in Spain was not pretty during the Spanish Inquisition with a state religion. So there are trade offs in all different forms uh, without getting like we'd have to do a philosophy podcast to talk about what we think is better that sounds boring <laughs> i i think that the jeffersonian model over time creates less violence but not zero mm. violence and one of the interesting side effects of all of that is that there's like a free marketplace in the united states for weird religious minorities to mm-hmm. not be put down by majoritarian religious which is why only you're only going to get mormonism in the united states you're only going to get jehovah's witnesses flourishing in a country like the united states that doesn't allow one religion to persecute the other one with the arm of the state behind it right and so yes the doomsday cult has captured the american imagination because there's so fucking many of them 
<laughs> because <laughs> they've so been allowed they've been allowed to flourish because yeah. other belief groups haven't been allowed to stamp them out. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fair. And like it's definitely a knock-on effect of like the sort of moral panic from like the 1980s when everybody was like worried about mm-hmm. the satanic panic right and it was like oh everyone's doing some sort of culty thing whether it's just like hippies in the, the california just trying to get along or the evangelicals forming their own offshoots of christianity one of the like most shocking things i ever learned in my life was that there are people consider and violently consider catholicism and protestantism to be two different religions and i was like they're the same aren't they like literally i'm like how is that not the same thing they're like we both believe in the same guy and i'm like that's you're describing the same thing but that's mm-hmm. just me don't come at me religious people I, i'm not like interested in like learning i mean too billy much, it's, but... it's it's like saying do you crack the egg on the top or on the bottom right i will fight anybody who cracks their egg on the bottom <laughs> side forever well is that that, that yeah. was golfer's travel stream <laughs> I, uh, big Indians and little Indians, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that kind of thing changes over time and is like a sociological yeah. phenomenon where in Europe, in the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries, they're extremely different religions. But as soon as the Western world, quote unquote, meets Buddhism or Hinduism, Protestantism and Catholicism <laughs> start looking quite similar all of yeah, a sudden, exactly. right? So it's just like, what is it in contact against to define right. itself as? That's fair, yeah. And because, like, just the names of the people are the same in the stories are what make it similar in a way that, you know, like... That's true. Both Catholics and Protestants say the name Jesus instead of Vishnu or Shiva or, <laughs> or you know, Buddha, right. right? So I think, it's like I think how... actually... <laughs> The, yeah. the the words we use to describe these kind of belief systems depend greatly on when we're talking about them. Right. It's like how Revenge of the Sith and Empire Strikes Back are the same movie because they both have a character called Anakin Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in a way that they're very different, but they're more similar than they are of yeah. like the Fast and Furious movies are to, <laughs> That's to <true>. Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know. There could be a lightsaber in a fast movie eventually. I see that coming. <laughs> Mm, yes that's true all right well to kind of go back on topic then um, oh thank you you, which (laughs) which ending or explanation of the virus do you prefer i prefer the cult one that's my choice you prefer the cult one why just because i don't know maybe again it's because it was in english and i could understand a little bit more Uh, even though we just saw the flashes of like newspaper and they they couldn't get the tape recorder to to work properly i thought that was a nice touch where it was like it does play it just plays really slow and weird i just kind of resonated more with a cult being behind it than the catholic church reason and and maybe just because i was like wait what they're talking about the catholic church now all of a sudden and it might have been a (laughs) subtitle thing but so yeah, yeah that's why i pick in cult yeah i pick cult too personally because i find cults more fascinating but i think both endings are perfect for their primary audience so i think the catholic ending is perfect for a spanish film and i think the cult one is perfect for an american film what about you alec what's your choice i preferred the the catholic ending for me it just intrigued me a little bit more they were both conspiracy theories or with the cult it's less so a conspiracy conspiracy theory and more so just like very a to b you know we're doomsday cult we're gonna steal this bioweapon and we're gonna launch it on the world Mm -hmm. i found that 
a little too straightforward to be as interesting for me. Whereas I liked the Catholic spin of it where it's like there is this actual patient with this disease that makes her exhibit what supposedly looks like demon possession. So we as the Catholic Church are going to try and find a cure for this so that we can show our power or influence and say that we can exercise demons. And through Mm. this conspiracy theory of something in the real world, it went out of control. I, I just find that plot point a little bit more interesting and kind of not more realistic, but more organic in storytelling than just, we already know the Catholic Church exists. We already know that throughout history, the Catholics have claimed demon exorcism as a thing that they do, or there's been tons of this kind of thing where it's like, does it actually work? Does it not? Can the church really do this? What is holy water? Like all this kind of pre-lore that's already built in. Um, what is holy water? Vampires. I don't know. Is it? Does, does the Pope just drink it, like gurgle it around and spit it back out? That's kind of gross. I think you have to say a Hail Mary over it or something. Mm, yeah. Ah, <laughs> I wonder. A little pinky in it. How effective is holy backwash? Fifty <laughs> percent. It's not as good. Uh, uh, relax. The Pope always swells. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> good one that's funny zing (laughs) so my point was like i feel like with all this actually existing in the real world the catholic church and demon Mm -hmm. possession and exorcism those kinds of ideas right i found it more interesting and i felt more invested in it than just being like this is america by the way there's a doomsday cult by the way the military also created this bioweapon that is dangerous oh it got stolen from the lab. Oh, they're releasing it to the world. Oh, it transfers through rabies. It was it was more it was just less interesting to me. That that's really the baseline sure. of it. I think it's fine as an explanation. I had no problem with it. I just found that's another reason why I would recommend Rec over Quarantine is just I thought the ending was was more interesting mm-hmm. and Sure. It left more room for speculation after cuz you know everyone likes talking about movies afterwards, right? So you there's more room for that, that kind of like speculative conversation after the Catholic conspiracy theory, in my opinion, rather than a doomsday cult. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I buy that. I've got one more question that I want to get some clarification hmm. on before we before we go into our final thoughts. So maybe we'll start collecting our final thoughts now in anticipation. But the scene that is in both movies where... The, the camera and Pablo or Scott raises the camera up into the attic and spins it around to that very obvious jump scare where it's some sort of baby. That is a different person than the tall, skinny end monster. Yes? Is that right? Or is it this supposed to be the same person? I don't know. I know in Wreck it's different. In Wreck, yeah. it was very clearly a kid and the other tall, skinny was different. So who's yeah. this kid hiding up in the attic in both scenes? Like, what what is the reason for that? Aside from it being like the sort of, I guess, money shot scare, jump scare. <laughs> Settle down, Luke. <laughs> I won't make a poke like, joke after money shot, but I want you to know I wanted to. Thank you for restraining yourself. So like, but, but I mean, maybe Luke, you know, Alex, it looks like you're maybe reading. It, I think it's it. just in both plot synopsis it's just like an infected boy. So So maybe someone that was being So hated. maybe okay, so maybe in Wreck it was like the Catholic Church found some random kid and was like, We're gonna infect you as well to do some more tests and then in this one it's Doomsday Cult kidnapped another kid to do a dooms like to do okay. another test. I don't know. But it's 
they're two different like the trapdoor person up there in both movies is different than the one at the very end like the long skinny thing right at the end so who who that little boy is at the t- at the yeah. attic is kind of unknown and it's not clear but okay yeah and so the tall skinny person are we assuming that's the scientist then who's been zombified or just zombified zombified do you mean sure the guy whose apartment it is yeah is that yeah, him the is guy that that to him from boston right well is that from the, boston. the exposition yuri gave i can tell you from my knowledge of the film quarantine 2 terminal that that is not him oh <laughs> okay okay eh, i don't want to watch quarantine 2 so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think at the end of the day it's not it's not really told it's just assumed right. that there's more infected people in this attic that no one's lived in for a while oh sure and i don't remember exactly in wreck but maybe in quarantine when they first get into the building they hear like loud banging and stuff and then yuri's mm-hmm. like oh that's the building and then is it yuri's partner is like because he's always trying to fix it himself or something. <laughs> so oh, yeah, maybe assuming maybe. that yeah, loud yeah. banging is already existing Zambos living in the attic that no one's been up there in a long time. Right. Take it's that, like Boris screening. the Blade. Take that, <laughs> the Bullet Dodger. Yeah, okay. Any final thoughts? What are we what are we got on this one before we wrap it up here? I don't know if either of you noticed this, but this part of the movie made me laugh outside of the whole when Jake just ha- hammers that one Zambo. Mm-hmm. Like almost comedically but the cop was originally very like against the camera it's like get out of my oh, face yeah. like get yeah. out of here and then when the cdc people come in and they're like get the camera out of here and then the cop's like he has a right to film he has a right to film <laughs> yeah i like that this is like, still oh. america this is america Walensky. <laughs> yeah i i thought that was just funny it was so against it but as soon as a higher like mm-hmm. authority figure comes in the cop's like no 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 keep filming keep filming because i don't right. feel safe anymore yep final thoughts luke yeah i think i just want to reiterate that i think picking it apart this is exactly how you should make a found footage film claustrophobic frenetic but not too frenetic a more realistic type of danger that can physically manifest to be scary but then also quickly off screen and then Mm -hmm. just a really kind of creepy color palette that's not that's well lit but not fluorescent you can see everything but not too much of it and so yeah. that when Scott, we didn't talk about this, but the effect of when Scott does turn the light on, it does change the scene, right? It changes the feel mm-hmm. of what's going on. It changes the Zambo's reaction and, and the other people. And I, and I thought that was a cool feature because that scene is kind of fluorescent versus what's the lighting of the building. So aspiring found footage filmmakers, I think this is the template to work off of. Yeah, I think this is a really well done movie. And I think that if I had watched this before our currently lived through pandemic that we are experiencing, I would have wondered, like, is this really accurate? How angry and how, like, immediate the people are to, like, react and want to, like, not (laughs) listen to what people are telling them. And uh, let me tell you, like, living through a pandemic and having people be like, no way am I wearing a mask. Go fuck yourself. I was like, no. Okay. I buy this (laughs) is... (laughs) accurate to life and just the feel of them being trapped in this building and needing to get out i was like no i totally buy that because people couldn't even handle like staying home (laughs) in this much milder pandemic so Mm -hmm. of course people would be upset and the the misinformation and not knowing what to think 
was really interesting. The last thing I want to say, the, the scene where they get the TV to work and they're listening to the news and the police chief is like, oh yeah, the whole building's been evacuated as a precaution. Nobody's in there. We're just making sure everything's fine. Is like, what the hell? Like, of course the people who are actually living their reality of being in that building are like, okay, something is going on and they don't want mm. panic to spread well, to a wider population. So yeah. I think that scene was quite prescient in the idea. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's predicting human nature but like the not forthcoming to slash straight up lying that happens from media slash officials slash authority figures on to the public of like that was fake news before it was cool <laughs> that <laughs> that cliff right it's fake news cool yeah <laughs> and so i just think it's interesting how one of the things we didn't really talk about is like the whole more broad social component of the cops and the authorities and the CDC's locking these people up and then lying to the rest of the world, basically making a judgment call that, yeah, truth be told, is the right one, <laughs> given <laughs> right. what this particular malady is. Mm-hmm. This is a lockdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and a pretty uncontroversial one. Yeah, right. And I like that the disease was just like an intense form of rabies where yeah rabies is actually fatal 100% of the time if you don't treat it and it's only when you catch it early that you can treat it and this one just like cuts down that time when you could be cured so it's like you'd mm-hmm. have to get the rabies shot immediately after being bitten to like survive it and that would be yeah really tough and really scary because yeah rabies is still fucking scary anyway alrighty should we talk about what our scariest part is yes good idea billy or do you have a question alex or are you just no i i have a scariest part already i don't even think about it all right but 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 it's luke's pick so luke gets to go first Mm. well luke i need to tell them my scariest part (laughs) well the first time i watched this movie it was definitely like creepy intense but the first scene that made me jump and really feel like i was watching something more intense than i anticipated is when fletcher falls down the middle because they're like debating the door has just been locked and it's not the focus, mm-hmm. but you can see behind it. And all of a sudden, you just see boom, this body like full out drop, no defense mechanism. And you also realize that Fletcher is a full grown fireman who was trying to subdue a little old lady and he's mm-hmm. fucked. So they're fucked too, probably. <laughs> you right. know? And so, yeah, that was that we was the scene that. Too. <laughs> yeah, we're fucked too. That made. <laughs> That made me jump and realize I was watching a more intense movie than I maybe thought I was watching first time I saw All right. it. That's a good pick. Alex, what's yours? 100% it's the rat scene where the rat... First off, there's a rat. I hate rats. Rats are scary. Big, scary. Ooh. And then it runs towards Scott and Scott, like, very viscerally on camera. Also, I noticed this about Scott as a character. Scott loved to zoom in on all the gory bits. He sure did. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, there's a bone sticking out. Zoop. Oh, someone just got bit on the neck. Zoop. Oh, I'm about to stomp the shit out of this rat. Zoop. Yeah, that was the scariest part for me. Don't shame his kink. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to teach you what kink shaming actually means. Luke. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days. So yeah, stomping on the rat is my scariest part of the movie. That's a good that pick. was so gross, and oh, I, I, I couldn't do it. For me, all the like jump scares of the zombies or zambos are not as scary because I knew they were coming. Like as soon as they're up in the apartment and 
little baby Brianna is like standing there and they're like, we've seen, they've seen zombies attack so many times that at this point where they're like, don't worry, Brianna, we're going to save you. I was like, you dummy. Like, that's not going to end well. But for me, the scariest part is the reveal of freshly zambified Fletcher when he's standing up and he's standing on the leg and it's like broken and you see the like ankle bending. I was just like, oh, I was ready to, to have it snap fully and, and have him fall over like that was like that's so gross so gross <laughs> so gross so gross so gross all right luke it's on you to pick what we're rating it out of and then give us your rating okay well billy you're probably not gonna love this but seeing as this is a movie about rabies and our 69th episode i think we have to rate <laughs> this movie out of successfully transferred body fluids <laughs> somehow you outdid alex who for the last two times he's picked has picked dentures in some way so <laughs> way to and, go bravo and it's i particularly like it because there isn't like a specific unit of body fluid either it's just successfully <laughs> so i will say that i think this movie is technically impressive and mm -hmm. a obviously quite faithful and I think respectful homage to the original. We didn't talk too much today, although we've talked about it other times about like how we feel about English language remakes of foreign language films, which I'm of two minds of for reasons we've talked about in other episodes. I think maybe The Ring and The Grudge specifically, and maybe mm -hmm. even Wreck actually. So really the only things I'm like subtracting from this movie are purely because it's not an original film. It's a remake, right? Okay. I think everything else about it is pretty good and it's scary and tense and realistic. Like even the fact that it's in Los Angeles, so it's a diverse population of people who even live in that building is just an, an extra layer of realism added to the whole like news show conceit of it. So I'm going to give this film a 3.75 successfully transferred body fluids out of five successfully transferred body fluids. <laughs> All right. Alex, what are you giving this one? I think this was a fine movie. If I had never seen Wreck before, I would have, I think I would have liked this movie more. But after kind of watching Wreck, really enjoying Wreck, and then watching this, this, it didn't have the same artistic spirit, I guess. Because yeah, okay. It, it was, That's a good way it to put was it. like, almost identical it makes me think like was there really any reason to remake this movie if you're gonna make it shot for shot in like so many things but then change the probably the most important part of the story hmm. i personally felt kind of like if if i had a big role to play in creating wreck and then i saw that someone made quarantine i personally would be kind of maybe even a little upset that that was what happened. It's like they literally copied everything, but they changed what I thought was the most important part of the movie. Now, which was the right. question though, would that be, would that opinion change if you maybe got a big fat check from the royalties of quarantine that you would have maybe, gotten right. if you had worked on wreck? Cause quarantine right. was a but pretty that, successful that... market movie. Like it, I think it made a decent amount of money. And so they have to pay well, off you know, the people who did wreck at some level for royalties. Right. So. You know what's interesting? If you look at the budget and box office of both films, Wreck was $30.5 million profit, and then wow. Quarantine was a like a 29 point something. Mm. So oh, Wreck really? actually made a little bit more money. And cost way less. And cost way less. But 
regardless of that, I think Quarantine is a perfectly fine movie. And I agree with you, Luke. I think technically it's it's a lot more impressive on a bigger scale than Wreck. But for me, I don't think like when I compare the two movies, what I find if the most importance would be kind of the plot and really the ending is is, is what I value over those kinds of special effects, even though they were mm-hmm. really good. So I, I feel like I'm being pretty pessimistic about this movie, but I actually did like it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give okay. it a 3.25 successfully transmitted fluids. <laughs> is it fluids? Yep. Yep. Successfully That's transmitted fine. fluids out of five <laughs> successfully transmitted fluids. I think All this right. is a great movie. I do think if you haven't seen either of them, though, you should definitely watch Wreck first. I just want to yes. add in a point there is that I think okay. lack of artistic spirit is what I meant when I said lack of originality. That's mm-hmm. a more poetic way to put it. Yeah, that's exactly the same reason I dock it points, right? Like, I think it's a technically great film and a kind of uninspired one that was made for market reasons. Yeah, yeah. That's just Alex copying your homework and doing a little bit better than you, though, Luke. Mm. Well, <laughs> lack of originality, well, lack of artistic spirit. I thought that this movie kind of lacked the je ne sais quoi of sure. the movie. <laughs> you know what? Quarantine just felt like a reanimation <laughs> of Wreck. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. I thought it was it was very fun. Uh, the the beginning part was uh, like uh, enjoyable. It, it moved along. It's really really quick to watch, and the te- the tension like ratchets up and then like doesn't let you go to the end. I thought I didn't really talk about it all throughout the rest of the episode, but the very ending there was a point where the camera got too shaky for me to really enjoy it. Where I was like, it's like shaky and the light is flashing on and off so much. I was the just flashlight like, flashing on and off was <sighs> annoying to me as well. Okay, yeah. this is like let's wrap it up, folks. Is you know I was kind of at that point, and then of course pair that with the like sheer panic and the hysterics of Angela. I don't know if that's because I knew, you know, knowing English and understanding what she's saying, if it struck me more than in the Spanish one. But I was just like, oh, geez, Louise, like she's really losing the plot of like her (laughs) self-control. And I was just like, okay, like, let's get to let's get to the end. And again, maybe that's what it was like in Wreck. And we just didn't notice because the subtitles left some of that on the floor for us to, to realize. But that being said, it was still a great time. And in terms of successfully communicated body fluids, I give this one (laughs) 3.69. Nice. Nice. That's good. That's multiples. I would say it is. Yeah. I would say, though, I agree with you, Alex. If you have a choice between watching one of these, watch Wreck. I think, like, Mm -hmm. go go ahead and watch Wreck. It's, It's much more fun and more in, I think, the spirit of what this movie was about. So yeah, and, and although give give Rex some, love. but if you have an opportunity to watch both, absolutely. Yeah, watch I would actually say probably watch one. both. Watch Rec for the artistic spirit, and watch Quarantine for an impressively made film. There you go. Right, different well parts done. of the whole shtick of movie making. Yeah. Woo! Alrighty. Well, Luke, let's cheer something. So start start your cheers, gentlemen. Start your cheers. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to cheer a book or an author more specifically. I have I've read this book before, but I'm about 100 pages in again to reading the novel The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. And I am just so in love with John Steinbeck's style of writing. He also wrote 
East of Eden, probably his biggest novel slash the one that everyone knows is he wrote of Mice and Men, which is the novella almost everyone has to do in Canada in English class. Probably the States <laughs> and too. And Grapes of Wrath, they go west of Eden? <laughs> yeah. Well, that Grapes of Wrath is just a beautiful meditation on like poverty and 1930s poverty in the United States because it's all like the, the Okies, the Oklahoma people, Dust Bowl, who migrate to California to try to find jobs. Right. And he just... Steinbeck in all of his novels, but because I'm reading Grapes of Wrath, I'll t- like he just beautifully captures the kind of like slow moving despair of poverty in the people <laughs> that he's talking wow. about. Like he just he just kind of paints this macro to micro picture. He he's got these scenes where he sets of like the entire region or the entire field or like the metaphor play between the barrenness of the field and the people feeling that way. But then he also in the next chapter does like very intimate dialogue between family members in a dialect that they would use like written out and it's just really cool. So I just I'm cheering John Steinbeck as like one of the great American artists of all time. Mm. So that's my cheer. I'd like to chain off that cheer because it also led to one of my favorite Simpsons scenes ever with Nelson at the diorama where he's done the Grapes of Wrath and it's just a shoebox with a bunch of grapes. And then mm-hmm. Skinner's like, I don't get it. And he goes, here's the grapes and here's the wrath and hits it with a mallet. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, also, I don't know if the two of you have ever heard of Veggie Tales before. Do you remember Veggie Tales at all? I remember Veggie Tales. Yep. What a weird show. Yeah, there were there Christian were little grapes of wrath. There was yeah, there was a song of like four or five grapes in their family. They're saying we are the grapes of wrath, so stay out of our path. <laughs> it was really gotta funny. Love, gotta love a Steinbeck reference. Anyway, yeah. good cheer, good cheer. Thanks. Speaking of remakes, my cheer is going to be something that has been remade for the for a video game, and I remember. Really, really loving the first Pokemon Snap. And a couple mm. months ago, they remade the game and re-released it. Not remade. It's a brand new game. It's like a sequel. But the new Pokemon Snap. It's been a fun way to pass the time in the evenings and hang out. And just sort of Kelly and I have been playing it together. And sort of watching the other one play levels. And it's been a really great fun time. So the new Pokemon Snap. Hooray for remakes. Really? And have you been flashing those Pokemon? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. Alex, what are you cheering? <laughs> kind of to echo off of Luke, another great American, great greatest American artist of all time. My cheer is that Kanye released his new album this morning. Of course. So Donda is finally out. This album has been, has had, I'm sure, like 15 different release dates, and it's finally here. And it's just, I don't know. I haven't, like, it's an, it's an hour and 50 minutes long. Kanye literally scored a movie. Wow. And I'm five tracks in and i am enjoying it so far and it has been a welcome change after the atrocity that was jesus is king from a couple (laughs) years ago so i'm looking forward to listening to the rest of donda and that is my cheer thanks nice great cheer great cheer the the car that parks beside me in my garage in my building has a yeezus license plate Mm. so in my head (laughs) kanye lives in the building (laughs) kanye lives in a apartment in suburban montreal (laughs) but wouldn't even surprise me a little bit not even a little bit well that'll do us for another week we are gonna wrap it up here and uh, take a couple seconds to say thank you to everybody who's been listening who's been sending us messages on instagram i see them all they're all just very nice and 
Thank you to Alex and Luke for joining me every week. It's been a minute since I thank you for the music, Alex. So thanks again for doing that. The music's so great. Ain't no problem. And thank you to Katie and Madison for our logo designs. You can go ahead and buy some merch if you would like to head to our T Public store. Grab something off there. It really helps the show out. And if you haven't done so already, please do consider giving us a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, it helps us go up in the charts. It helps more people see the show and interact with the show. And it would really mean a lot to us uh, that more people could listen to us. Yeah, you can follow us on the social medias. Nothing to Fear podcast on Instagram. NTF pod on Twitter. I am on Billy by Design. That's I before E when spelling Billy and underscores between the words. And Luke Mason, where can people interact with you? Yes, you can follow the Liberal Soul on Twitter at liberalsoul87. Send an email theliberalsoul87 at gmail.com. No spaces between the words or find it on Facebook. And actually, and I don't do this often, but I'm going to give an extra plug to the episode I'm releasing today as of recording, which will mean it's out there for easy access to listeners when you hear this. Episode 20 of The Liberal Soul, I really actually would encourage you to listen to that maybe more than any other episode because it's a little bit more personal and I'm or excited for that. did you re-release the Star Wars one that we did? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, definitely listen to that one. But no, the one I'm the one I'm releasing today is actually all about Prometheus and how Ooh. I'm actually labeling it uh, Prometheus is the OG liberal soul. And so I have a few gushing things to say in tandem with the fact that tomorrow, as of recording, tomorrow is my mother's birthday, who's no longer with us. And so I'm kind of dedicating that episode to her and her memory. And she's part of the theme of that episode. And so if you want maybe a slightly less technical or heady solo episode and maybe a little bit more of a personal one, I would encourage listeners to find episode 20 of The Liberal Soul, all about Prometheus. Oh, absolutely. Check that out. Alex, how about you? Can people find you anywhere? No, you can find me here, or that one episode of Really True Fiction, or that one episode of <laughs> Liberal Soul. If you would want to reach me, feel free to reach out to Billy, and Billy will pass on your message, and I can respond accordingly. Thanks for listening, though. Great. All right, folks. Next week, we're going to wrap up our remake month, and it's my pick. And we're going to go with another foreign language one we watched last year and do the American remake. And maybe we can expound more on like why they make movies like that a little bit. But we're going to we're going to bring it over from Japan and we're going to watch The Ring. Mm. going to watch The Ring. Spooky well, girl. Let's do it. I can't wait to watch that Mm -hmm. one. Until then, until that very spooky occasion when we're all back around the microphones together, I will say goodbye and I will let Alex say goodbye if he wishes. Goodbye. Bye. I will let Luke say goodbye if he wishes. I do wish and goodbye. Goodbye. And I will say this to you all. Remember, they are just movies. There's nothing to fear. Oh, hey, listeners. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I just wanted to offer a quick apology for the creaky chair noises that were in the preceding episode that you just listened to. I am setting up my office recording area and this chair is very squeaky so apologies for that i tried to take out as much of the noise as i could but a couple squeaks and squawks did make it through anyway i love you a lot enjoy the post-credit sting thingy bye well i was just saying you could have a really long end stinger here (laughs) a really long and really boring (laughs) here
we can mimic the more realistic take of a podcast on found footage where it's actually not about anything interesting and we're just like talking about <laughs> the wall. But Luke, that's what our <laughs> podcast is about. Oh, snap. <laughs> uh, job search is going okay, actually. I 